we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in all that we do in Jesus' name. So, as I'm putting my message together over the last few weeks, um, I started off with three messages, went down to two messages, because yesterday I had the opportunity to go to Bakersfield and to speak to a beautiful women's group. Um, and so I was like, well, I want to do the same message for, you know, both. And so I also had the message for Wednesday night for our women's Bible study. I was like, okay, God. So, I, you know, I had all these things going on. <clears throat> Sorry. And I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to bring for Saturday, for Sunday? So I went down to two messages, and then God said, no, that's, we're not done yet. You're going to combine those two messages. And so this isn't a mushy Mother's Day message. It's not all about the moms and their great love and all that they do for us wonderful children. Um, but it's a message about a church with a heart. We're going to talk about the early church. And when I ask God, are you sure it's Mother's Day? Aren't you supposed to talk about moms and how wonderful they are and that they're needed and the nurturers that they are? And he says it's not just about the moms. Because we have men in our church that are also single dads. And they have to be mom and dad. And we have moms that are moms and dads to our beautiful children that come in. And some of us don't know what it's like to have a full family. Our family is blessed to be able to have all of us in the home and to have stability. And that's what the early church was about, the stability, and that they were a church with a heart, a church that reached out and loved one another. So we're going to start in the book of Acts in verses chapter 9, verses 32. But God wants to do something incredible with you. Something incredible. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Arise! Sorry. Aeneas, Jesus heals you. Arise and make your bed. And then he rose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. And pause, I'm going to segue here. I really wanted to talk about Dorcas today. That was what was really on my heart. But I guess we'll have to save that message for another day. Okay, segue over, commercial over, back to the scripture. <laughs> Her name was translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days as she became sick and she died. When they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lydda was near Joba, the disciples had heard that Peter was there, and they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood around him and were weeping and showing him the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out, and he knelt down and he prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when they had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all of Joppa that many believed on the Lord. And so it was then that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. 
And I want to ask you, who are you? As I studied and I was putting this message and asking God what direction to go with it, I had to ask myself, who am I? And of course, the obvious answers came. I'm a child of God. I'm a wife to Pastor Ron Wilson. I'm a mother of Justice and Ashlyn and Harvey and a grandmother to Caitlin and teacher and singer and all these things, but they were all nameless. And God said, I asked you, who are you? Who have you been called to be outside of the nameless? So I want to ask you today if you remember a kaleidoscope. Remember what they are, the little cardboard tubes, and they have mirrors and different shapes inside and different colors, and you turn them and you look through them like this with the light, and it reflects differently. I want you to look at yourself like a kaleidoscope and look at the perspective that you are being looked at. When you come to church, you're seeing one way. When you go home, you're seeing another. When you're on Facebook or social media, you're seeing another. When you're at work, you're seen as somebody different. I pray that I am the same person no matter where I'm at. Because I don't want to be unstable and I don't want to be distracted by things. I pray that God would teach me and guide me and lead me to be the same person at church as the same person at home, the same person at the grocery store, although I will segue again that if you see me at the grocery store, doesn't mean I'm going to have heels on. I'm probably going to be in shorts and tennis shoes, and maybe if my hair is long enough, I'll have it pulled up, but it's not always going to be done and perfect. But my attitude would be the same. I don't want somebody to see me and say, you act different when you're not at church. I want to be the same person, and I pray that that's who you are. And I ask you again, who are you? Do you have to put on many faces? Do you have to put on many shields to guard your heart? Because maybe there's something in there that you don't want somebody to see? Or are you the same person here, there, and everywhere you go? The passage of scripture that we just read is very much like the kaleidoscope. Every time you look at it and you turn the scripture around a little bit, you see a new perspective when you break it down. You see something new, a new ministry of the early church. You realize how caring and compassionate the early church was. It was truly a church with a hope. Grapevine is that church as well. Grapevine is a church with a heart. But today I want you to look through the kaleidoscope and maybe see some of the things that God pointed out to you. The first point is the early church had a heart for humans. They cared about people. They cared about individuals. They weren't just a mass of people that were just coming in and being saved. And it says, estimated about 25,000 people got saved in those very first few months of ministry. That wows me. 25,000 people in about two or three months were saved and gave their hearts to the Lord and changed. Could you imagine being in that place? Could you imagine what God was doing in that time? I want to be a church like that. I want to be a church that people are so on fire and they go, what's going on over there at Grapevine? They've got a love for people and a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Let's go find out what's happening. I want to be in that church. God takes 
this time to share with us four names of four early converts, showing us that they were real people with real needs, real feelings, and real needs. And the first one I'm going to talk about is Peter. He's mentioned in verse 32. God was doing a work in Peter's heart. Up until now, Peter had been thinking that the gospel was only for a few, only for Jews. So God sent him to live about 25 miles from Jerusalem, but primarily it was a Gentile city. God was breaking down walls of prejudice in Peter's heart, and he was learning what Paul would later state in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, and there is neither male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. I want to ask you again, who are you? What walls have you built up? What have you put in front of you to not allow somebody else to come in? What rules have you put in place for these people? What if you said, well, you're not really a Christian if you still have this going on in your life? No, you're not really seeking God if you're still doing this in your life. What have you put up to maybe keep people from seeing the real love of Christ? God was breaking down the walls in Peter's life, and he's wanting to break down some walls in our lives. It's wonderful what God does in the hearts of individuals to help prepare them for what he has planned for their future. God loves individuals, and you are more than a number to him. God loves you, and you are more than a number. The next person I want to talk about is Aeneas, and he's mentioned in verses 33 and 34. He was crippled for eight years, but instantly healed. Instantly healed. God wants to do the same. Our four square scripture that we stand on is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. We change. Sometimes we go to God with half-heartfelt prayers. Oh, God, I ask for healing. But we really don't believe in it. We're not really sure. And so our faith maybe is a little shaken because we're not seeing those miracles come to pass. But God said he's the same. So that means our faith has to step up. Our faith has to grow. And we have to step into what God is calling us to be and pray with faith that's unshakable. Faith that is even the size of a mustard seed because God wants to do miracles. He wants to heal people instantly. Sorry, my mouth is getting... Sometimes, I'm going to insert another segue here, sometimes we have to go through trials and sometimes we have to go through illnesses because God needs to show us something. And sometimes we need to minister to people that are in the hospitals, minister to the doctors maybe, minister to the people at the doctor's offices, the blood drawing places, there are sometimes things that we have to go through. Just like Tabitha was mentioned, God didn't heal her instantly. She died. But God had to do a work, and he uses it for a purpose. But Aeneas was healed instantly. And I asked myself, why did God insert this brief story? Because it showed the power of God. But it also speaks of the fact that in this Thousands of people, approximately 25,000, God knew this one man with a real need, and he met that need. God cares for people. Yes. God cares for you. God knows where you live. 
He knows your phone number. He knows how you're feeling. And he knows what you're going through. God is there. You just have to invite him and ask him with faith, unspeakable and full of glory. And I, I love that scripture. I always say it's joy, unspeakable and full of glory, but also faith. Because we've got to say it. We've got to know it deep in our hearts that he is real. And he sees us as real. Tabitha's the next person, Dorcas, I like to call her Dorcas, is mentioned in verses 36 and 38. That was a demonstration of incredible faith on the part of the disciples. And there's no point, there's nowhere else or record that apostle raising anyone from the dead. But they believed by the power of Christ that they could be done. I want to insert here that Dorcas or Tabitha was the only woman mentioned in the Bible as a disciple. She's the only woman mentioned as a disciple. All the rest were men that are mentioned in the Bible. And so that stood out to me, especially for this Mother's Day, that Dorcas is the only woman mentioned. And how incredible we hear about, you know, judges, and we hear about moms, and we hear about queens, but she's the only disciple. And what a way that God used her in this small portion of scripture. Because the only place that she's mentioned is in the book of Acts right here in chapter 9. It's a demonstration of faith and power. But more than that, it was further proof that God cares about people. And God knew her need. He knew where she was. And he knew her need. And he met that need. Wherever you are at, with whatever need, whatever problem or situation is going on, God knows your needs. You are real to him. You are something to him. You are someone to him. And he is there to help you through it. God cares about individuals in this life and afterward. And he proved it by snatching this one up from death. Aren't you glad that he cares for you? Aren't you glad of what awaits you and what God has planned for your future? There are many needs in this place today. And there are many needs all around us. And each one is different. But God has it all if we'll just let him take care of it. Simon the Tanner is the next one in verse 43 that I want to talk about. When Peter goes to Joppa, he's invited to stay with the taxidermist. He scanned the animals. He tanned the hides and sold them. Again, I ask, what was God, why was this information in the Bible? I mean, it's only one little verse. What really difference did it make? God was working on Peter's heart. For in those days, a tanner would have been ceremonially unclean and despised by a good Jew. It wasn't kosher for him to stay with him. It just was not right. You know, not that it was unright, but I would have a hard time staying with a tanner, just to be up here. But God was working on Peter, and he was moving Peter away from the bonds of Jewish legalism and stepped into another and another step closer to the freedom of grace. God uses a real man with a real name and a real dirty, dirty job to do a great work for him in the heart of Peter. God loves people, and he has a plan for each one, and will often do his best work through the ones who least expect he could. God was working on legalism with Peter. Because Peter was in a box. He had his mindset, this is only who I'm supposed to speak to. This is only where I'm supposed to go. This is only what I'm supposed to do. And I'm only going to do it. That's it. 
But God says, nope, I want you to go here, and I want you to go here, and I want you to do this, and I want you to pray for this one, and I want you to talk to this one, and I want you to minister to them, because they mean something to me as well. They mean something to me as well. And I want to talk about, and I'm guilty, as some others are, that, you know, we have this beautiful food bank line of people that come every Tuesday and Friday. But sometimes we put blinders on because we get so used to seeing them that they're no longer real people to us. They're just a number. They're just somebody here to get a, a food bag, somebody to get a hot meal. But to God, they're not just that. And God convicted me of that as I was studying. They are a real person with a real need and has a real heart. And God wants to not only meet the tangible need, but he wants to meet the spiritual need as well. He wants us to reach out to them and to love them right where they are, whether they stink, whether they're not wearing appropriate clothing, whether they are just out there and maybe not even speaking a language we understand. <coughs> God wants us to love them right where they are. Because let me tell you, we see some strange things on Tuesday mornings and Fridays. But God loves them right where they are. He created them right where they are. And God can minister and change them into who he's designed them to be. And I ask you again, who are you? It's been scientifically proven that there are crosses in each one of our cells. God created them as made them fearfully and wonderfully is what his word says. Can you imagine how intricate God must be? I think of a surgeon sometimes when I'm thinking about this, how God must have said, I'm going to cut it across here and here and here and here. I'm going to insert this into here because he took that time to make us each individuals. We're not the same. He didn't want us to be boring and to walk around like robots going, yes, God, Yes, God, whatever you say, God, I'll go, God. But he wanted us to have our own personalities and our own likes and dislikes. He wanted us to be able to say, you are my Savior, and I surrender all to you. Whatever you want, God, I'll do it. We're not to all be exactly the same. So I'm going to ask you again, who are you? We live in an impersonal century. To our government, we're a number. To Sears, we're an account number. On websites, we're usernames and passwords. This made me laugh. Radio Shack, we're a phone number. <laughs> you go into Radio Shack and you have an account with them, you're a phone number. Even at a hotel as you're checking in, you can try to give them your name. They don't want it. They want the confirmation number. And some places will ask you for your license plate number. But really, we're just numbers to the human mind. But to God, we're individuals with individual needs and real people. We are real. And I'm glad that God sees me as an individual. I'm glad that I'm a real person to him with a real name and a real need. And he wants to meet my needs because he wants to get me more. And I want to know him more. Jesus calls each one of us by our name. John 10, 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep, and I am known of mine. Matthew 10, 30, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And this one cracks me up because every time I wash my hair or I comb my hair, I get handfuls of hair, okay? Not just once or twice a day, but sometimes.
several times throughout the day. I lose handfuls of hair. I'm like, how do you keep track of that, God? Because that's what God right here. I'm really good at covering it, and hairspray works miracles. But I'm like, God, how? How do you keep track of the hairs on my head? How? And then for some of you, you know, you can polish it, but God still knows what was there and what's growing and what's on the rest of me. God knows all the hairs on us. And as I transition into, if the church is going to be what God wants it to be, we have to have a heart for the humans. We have to have a heart for people and care about them. Our area is full of tens of thousands of people with real needs. Just as I mentioned a moment ago, it's not being putting the blinders on and just thinking them as numbers and thinking of them as clients or customers, but they are real people with real needs. I want you to turn your kaleidoscope again in their thinking, and not only see a church with a heart for humans, but a church with a heart for helping. And that's point number two. Tabitha or Dorcas, she was full of good works, alms and deeds. It means that she lived her life to help others. It says that she was a great seamstress, and she used her talent to bless people and friends. She used her gifts and abilities for others. I believe as Tabitha was sewing the clothes, and those garments that she was to hand out and give to others, and she was praying over them. God used those for your good. God ministered to the people that are going to use these. And I'm going to ask you again, what are you sewing into? Who are you? How is God using you? Paper clip. Such a tiny little object, and this is a fancy little one. It holds thick papers and files together. There's not much metal in it, doesn't weigh much, but it's about the way that it's bent that it can be used. If you take and bend it this way, it's no longer going to do its job. It's no longer going to work the way it's been intended to work. You may not have the flashiest abilities in the church. You may not sing or dance or teach. But all that matters is how are you bent? How did God create you? And how are you using it to help others? How are you using it to help others? Who are you? It's not important what the gift is, but it's important of how you're using it. The body of Christ is functioning well together because in the middle of it is God's heart. And it's shared by all. One God sharing this beating heart and it's a heart for people and we are the hands and the feet and the legs and the fingers and the toes and the words and the mouthpieces that god uses to spread his love so how are you sharing that how are you bent to share god's love we have the kind of church that when somebody hurts we reach out to them and we love them we have the kind of church that when a car broke down, we can send Mr. Don to fix it. Um, <laughs> or the door's not shutting and closing right, the locks aren't working. We, we call Pastor <laughs> But we have the church that reaches out to those that need love. Because we are a church that wants to have the heart and share with one another. Because we have a church with a heart for helping I'm going to ask you to turn your kaleidoscope of thinking on these scriptures one more time. And that is the early church had a heart for heaven. There are two miracles mentioned in this passage of scripture that we started with. 
raised from the dead. But I want you to look at the ultimate result of both of those miracles. When Aeneas was healed in verse 34, look what resulted in verse 35. They turned to the Lord and people got saved. When Tabitha Dorcas was raised from the dead, notice the result. People saw what the church was doing and got saved. And that's what it's all about. I want to be a church that is growing because people's lives are being saved. People's lives are being changed, not just physically, but spiritually. We want to see people growing in the things of the Lord. We want to see people growing in the knowledge of the love of Christ in their lives. Not just because we're a church that's giving out food bags on Tuesdays and Fridays, but because we're loving on the people that are coming and their lives are being changed. And because God says, come as you are, we need to love them just where they are. Amen. Not give them rules, not give them boxes to live in, but to love on them right where they are and encourage them that, yes, God loves you no matter what you've done, what you've been in, and where you've been in in the past. Many of us accept Christ, but we don't fully let him do the work past that. We open the door of our heart, and we say, forgive us, and then we say, okay, God, that's as far as you can go. Stop now. But that's not what God wants to do. He has so much more for us. He says, let me take the burdens off of you. Let me do what needs to be done in you so you know who you are. So that I can do the work, meaning God does the work in us. Let's let Christ in a little deeper. Let's let him do the work in us. And there's a song that's been going on in my heart, and it's called Who I Am, and it's by Blanca. I'm going to ask our sound team to play it for us right now. And I want you just to listen and watch the video, and then I'll come back up and finish the message. Another voice, another choice to listen to words somebody said. Another day, I will play one too many times inside of my head. 
And Lord, that you would pour into us a heart of love, of church with a heart, Father God, for those that are around us outside of these four walls, God, that we would minister and we would show them that we are the same, that we are just people just like them. That it doesn't matter what our economic value is. It doesn't matter what background we have, what we've done, where we've gone. But God, that you would pour into us to love one another. And God, I ask, wherever we are, that you would touch our hearts and our minds. That as doubt and fear would creep in, Father God, that you would remove it in the precious name of Jesus. And that you would pour into us a heart unwilling to be shaken for anything other than you. Today I see a heart that's in here and you're like, I just, I haven't felt that love that way. But God says, I'm right here and I'm holding out my hand. Take it with trust. And know that I'm going to walk you through whatever you go through. I'm going to be right there with you. And I'm going to pour into you love. And love for joy. You haven't felt joy in a really long time. And God wants to pour that joy into you. And I pray a freedom in that. That you would just let the joy come out abundantly upon you, Father. Oh, pour the me instead of fear the me. Joy, when even as you're resting, would just be in your room and in, in that life that you live. And I ask that you would open every door of your heart to them this morning. You would let God do what you refuse to let go of. And that is that you would just let him penetrate every area of your life. And you would just let, feel that freedom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 I want to say one last thing, and that is that God has set you aside for a purpose greater than you. And if all you see is a box, God says, open that box, because there's a present inside, and it's much greater than anything you can fathom or imagine, because God created you fearfully and wonderfully. And I ask one more time, who are you? It's not just being a child of the nature queen. He's put so much more into you. And thank you for this beautiful day. And happy Mother's Day.